Hey y'all, welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. This week we'll talk about the unity that should be present in the Church of Jesus Christ. I hope you get as much from it as we did. Thanks again. Enjoy. We'll be continuing on through the book of Ephesians. I'm glad to be back again this week. We'll be in the first half of chapter 4 this morning where we're going to talk about unity in the body of Christ. As we already know, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus to encourage other believers to live boldly for the sake of the gospel, counting everything else as loss. This week, Paul is asking us to live lives worthy of this call. So what is this call? What is, it, what is he talking about? What am I talking about? Years ago, when I uh, was a freshman at Southside High School, I wrote a short paper on what that call is, and I'd like to share it with you this morning to help you understand exactly what Paul is talking about here. So here we go. To the believers at Southside High School, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is a call to die. A call to make Jesus Christ known at Southside High School. A call to follow the command Christ gave us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A call to be one holy church. A call to love everyone just as Christ loved the church. It will not be easy. We will face persecution. But making Christ known is worth it all. Our goal is to build up an army of believers that is not ashamed of the gospel. Paul writes that the gospel is the power of Christ at work. We will stay in prayer with one another. We will worship God with our actions together. Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says that the believers worship together. Obey Christ and share the gospel everywhere. Forgive and love one another. God's mercy is for everyone. What you do unto the least of these, you do unto Christ. Forgive. We are all sinners needing to be saved by God's grace. Romans 8.28 says God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Life is not about the pursuit of happiness. It is about the pursuit of Christ. Jesus tells his followers, Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is a call. This call to follow Jesus risks losing all that you hold dear. Radical obedience to Jesus Christ does not lead to comfort, health, or prosperity. The risk we take will find the reward in Christ, and he is more than enough. Is this call worth it? Matthew seven thirteen through 14 says, You can enter... God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The pathway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and few ever even find it. Before you accept the call, count the cost. The call is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. Paul reflects these same ideas in chapter 4. So let's pray, and we'll jump right into verse 1. Father, we come to you this morning. We pray that we would make much of you, that we would truly understand this call to die and what it means for us and all other believers all across the world. We pray that you would speak through me, that you would give me words to speak, and that you would give everyone else ears to hear. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verses 1 through 2 of chapter 4. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to leave the life, lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So God has chosen us to be Christ's representatives here on earth. Here, Paul challenges us to live lives worthy of the calling we receive. If you remember back to chapter 2, you remember that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives inside all believers. How great is that? But at the same time, we still screw up constantly. However, we are no longer slaves to our sin. We've been set free by the power of Christ. So what a challenge it is to live a life worthy of his calling. This includes being a humble, gentle, patient, understanding peaceful people. 
people are watching you constantly, especially with Snapface being as big as it is and Bookface and everything else. Every waking moment is under watch or on video. The Army's not real happy about that. They just ban TikTok. They're real upset about it. So keep that in mind. Every waking moment is under watch or on video. Can they see Christ in your life in those videos, in those pictures? Do they, do they see Christ in your life? Are you a worthy representative of God's kingdom? And if you're not, what, well, what do you need to do to fix that? And do you want to fix that is another big question. Remember, you've got to count the cost before you begin. What do you do? You live a life worthy of the gospel. So verses 1 through 6, let's look at that, just the whole thing. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father, who is over all and, in, and is in all and living through all. There is one body. Unity does not just happen. That is something that you have to work at. Oftentimes we disagree with people and that creates division. That shouldn't happen in the church. Uh-oh, that's never happened to us, has it? Unfortunately, it does and all the time and history is not kind and all that fact. It shouldn't be. It's inexcusable, even today. And all too often, we allow our differences to divide us. To, to divide us. What, what denomination are you? Well, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I, I don't worry about the other stuff. I, I put everything down at the foot of the cross. I didn't say, Lord, I'm going to follow you as a Baptist. I'm going to follow you as a Catholic. I'm going to follow you as Assemblies of God. And you said, no, I'm going to follow you no matter what. So none of, that, none of that other stuff matters. As believers, we should remember what unites us. One body, one spirit, one future, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Let's read that again. What unites believers? One body, one spirit, one future, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Little differences shouldn't divide us. Hudson can play with all the snake he wants, snakes he wants to and yell whatever he wants to as long as he doesn't let that divide us. Are you able to love people who aren't like you? We're all a part of the same body. Therefore, you can't look down on anyone. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Sorry, Hudson. Verse 2. Looking at verse 2 again. Like it's really big. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. No one is perfect, so we must love everyone in spite of their faults. When we see faults in others, we should encourage them like Paul does throughout this book. Love one another always. Verses 4 through 7. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. That's the biggest thing. All believers in Christ belong to one body. We are called to make disciples and to encourage one another to live lives worthy of the call you have received. It's so important. Verse 6. What does it say? It says, In one God, one Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. What does that mean? It means God is over all. This shows his great care for everyone. He is in all and living through all. This shows his active role in the world and in the lives of each of us. Verse 8, what does it say? It says, That is why the scriptures say, When he ascended to the heights and led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So in Psalm 68, verse 18, God is pictured as a conqueror marching to the gates and taking a tribute from the fallen city. Paul uses this picture to teach that Jesus in his crucifixion and resurrection is victorious over Satan, always. 
verse 9. Notice, notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ has also descended to our lowly world. Christ is the Lord of the whole universe, past, present, and future. He is the creator of the heavens and earth. He is the Lord of the heavens' armies. Nothing is hidden from him. And like Romans 8.38 says, nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. The Lord of the earth and the heavens. The Lord of the heavens' armies, creator of all, came here to face death on a cross as a man in order to rescue all people, including you and including me and including anybody else you can name. Verses 11 through 12. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Look for opportunities to use the gifts that God has given you. They're out there, but are you looking for them? If you're not, should you be? You don't have to answer that out loud. Just think on that. Verses 12 through 13. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up the full and complete standard of Christ. God has given us an amazing responsibility to make disciples of all nations. Nations. That's fantastic. This involves preaching, teaching, healing, nurturing, giving, building, and many other things. We're all part of the body of believers, but we all have different roles. Overall, we're called to make much of Jesus. If we had to do this by ourselves, it would be darn near impossible. However, with a body of believers, some can do one task, some can do another, some can live lives worthy of this call. And together we all can. This is impossible if we're divided. That's why it's so important not to let petty differences keep us apart. Working together, we can express the love of Christ because we all have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father who is over all and in all and living through all. That transcends time, space, and everything else you can think of. Think interstellar. It, it covers all that. Verses 14 through 16. What does it say? It says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That's scary. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Christ is the truth. And the Holy Spirit guides the church. As followers of Christ, we must be committed to the truth. This means that our words should be honest and our actions should reflect Christ's integrity. It is not always easy, and more often than not, I screw that up. And I know most of you that know me know that very well. And in describing a mature Christian, Paul says that one of the marks of a true Christian is the ability to speak the truth in love. It sounds easy, but it's not. Some people worry that any mistakes they make will ruin their witness for the war. They worry that people will view them is lesser because of the things they have done. But we know that we are reconciled in Christ from the moment that we believed and that we have received the same power that raised Christ from the from the moment we believed. There's nothing to fear. Galatians 6 talks about how our interest in this world has been crucified on his cross and its interest in us has also died. Therefore, what matters is whether or not we've been transformed into a new creation. Paul says that man never boasts about anything except for the cross of Jesus Christ. All in all, our walk with God is not easy. Jesus tells us that the path to hell is broad and many are on it and the pathway to heaven is narrow and few ever even find it. You will face persecution. But like God told Paul, 
My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Be steadfast in your faith. Look for opportunities to share the gospel and live a life worthy of the gospel because his power works best in your weakness. I don't know what your weakness is, but his power works best in weakness. And remember that we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Don't let petty differences keep you from sharing the gospel. That's all I got. Be steadfast and look for opportunities to share the gospel as you go throughout your week. We'll see you all soon. Thanks again.